And we are live. That's live for us anyways. And you're locked in to the Kansas City Social Hour. And I'm your humble host, Ruben Ortiz. Let's get it on. What's up, Kansas City? Great episode coming up. Disco, baby. On this episode, we have John Strata, former tight end of the Kansas City Chiefs and Kansas City original. I don't know John very well. I know John a little bit, and what I do know of him, I really like the guy a lot, and I was really looking forward to this episode. I'm just going to come clean. Before I went to go meet John... I was sipping whiskey, and we were supposed to meet at 3 o'clock. We ended up pushing that to 4 p.m., and that gave me an extra hour to be nervous and drink a little bit. I don't know why I get nervous before the podcast. I do, and in this particular episode, I got a little bit nervous before, too, so I was a little bit buzzed. I'm not going to lie, and John wasn't. John started drinking during the podcast, but I was way ahead of him, and... I'm just going to throw that out. I don't really want to apologize for it because I think it went fine, but I was somewhat buzzed and he did a great episode. He talks the majority of the time, so that's great. And I really think you're going to enjoy the episode. Shout out to the Kansas City Whiskey Society who did a Maker's Mark private select pick called Wax Profits. So this was their barrel finished with oak staves and that was two baked american pures four seared french cuvées and two makers mark 46 one roasted mocha and one toasted french spice i went ahead and gave him that bottle along with a glencairn with the etched logo of the kansas city whiskey society great job on picking that I don't give a whole lot of analysis when I'm drinking it. I thought it was fine. Again, I was buzzed a little bit at that point, but I do remember enjoying it. I have another bottle in the stash for another time, but I left that one with John Strata. So it is in good hands along with the Northern Harvest Rye Crown Royal. He's a Crown Royal fan, so I went ahead and got him that. I think we talk about that at the beginning of the episode, so... That was pretty cool. I also wanted to mention a couple of podcasts that I'm listening to. Wolverine's The Long Night. It's kind of those old-timey radio shows with sound effects and actors. I thought they did a tremendous job. I'm a big fan of Wolverine. If you're a Marvel superhero fan, definitely check out Wolverine's The Long Night. And the other podcast was Gladiator, the Aaron Hernandez story. I don't think I talked to... John Strata about CTE and the whole head injury thing, uh, but that would have been a great thing to mention to John if he 
how he feels about that and what his thoughts are on that. We definitely talk football. I know we talk boxing. We get into some of the history of Kansas City. Really fascinating interview, and I hope we get to do it again and do some more on that. I also wanted to mention Fat Orange Cat is distributed now to Kansas, and they have Vito the Beer Whale Cat, which I really enjoyed. It was a New England-style IPA, 8% ABV. Look out for Fat Orange Cat, Vito the Beer Whale Cat. I really enjoyed that one. And I also want to give a big shout out to the diehard Kansas City Royals fans. That's a Facebook group. Go check them out. Here's your guy, John Strata. And without anything further, let's get into the podcast. Catch you on the flip side. And we are live. This is uh, Ruben Ortiz. I'm here at Columbus Park and already having a tremendous conversation with uh, uh he, I, I consider him a good friend already. I've met him a number of times, but I'm here with uh, John Strada. Is that how you pronounce your last name? Strata? Fine, yes. how, how would you pronounce it? Well, I, we pronounce it Strata, but most Strata. 99% okay. of the people pronounce it Strata. Well, it's, and, the, and actually, the correct pronunciation is Strata. Oh, good. Okay. Because okay, you know, because that, when you pronounce a name, no different than Spanish, it's ah. Okay. A-I-A-E-O-U is... Is the same as Italian as it is in Spanish. Who would you Strata or Strata? Strata is what I go by. Strata. Yeah. So okay. I'm here with John Strata, and he's such an. Uh, we've been already. We're we're drinking. Uh, first of all, I want to give a shout out to uh, Kansas City Whiskey Society. Uh, I gave uh, John Strata the the Glen Karen glass. He's going to keep that, and we're we're sipping on uh, the the Maker's Mark Select. Max Profits pick that that you guys did and and uh, it's it's tremendous. What do you, what do you oh think about God. it? <laughs> I've had a half of a glass here. And I'm about a half goofy right now, but it's good. I'm telling you what. I mean, I'm a Crown Royal drinker, but um, this is very smooth. I mean, yeah. normally that's why I like uh, the the blends because they're a little bit more. They don't <clears throat> excuse me. They don't have the bite as the bourbons, the straight bourbons do. But this is a very smooth uh, bourbon, and it's you know it's very potent, which is really. I'm not really used to that potency. And it definitely has a bite. I'll give you uh, and, and You know what? And, and we could try some of the – We also I also brought him – because I knew he was a Crown Royal fan, and so I brought him the Crown Royal Norvis, Northern Harvest Rye, which is uh, still available around town. It's becoming a little bit more rare. But it was like Whiskey of the Year, I think, like one or two years ago. So okay. that was like actually Whiskey of the Year. I think it, it's uh, real smooth. It, it's not – doesn't have that quite that bite at right. the back end, but – you know, and so just I don't, I don't even know where to begin. I, I just had such a great time so far just uh, picking his brain about things. But John Strata is a former tight end of the Kansas City Chiefs, but there's so much more to him than that. Uh, just this neighborhood that we're in, Columbus Park, such a beautiful neighborhood. You can see the Italian roots here. Uh, the restaurant on the corner, what's the... Down the street's Garozo's. Garozo's. Uh, uh, is it Carozo's or Garozo's? Garozo's. Garozo's. Yeah. Beautiful, amazing place. Uh, great music, the atmosphere, the celebrities on the wall, oh, yeah. of the, all the people that have... It's, it's, it's pretty much nationally known now. Garozo's. Yeah, the history of this neighborhood is just so amazing. And, uh, you know, you, did you, you grew up here, right? I grew up here, yes. Can you, uh, and I just wanted to let some of the folks know, like, what was it like? We're in Kansas City growing up. What was it like growing up in this neighborhood? Well, this neighborhood was 
pretty much uh, – it was a diverse neighborhood, one of the relatively few diverse neighborhoods in the city, uh, even though we were predominantly Italian-American. People. What year are we talking? Well, when I, I was born in 1952, so uh, my parents obviously were a lot older. My, my dad was born in my house, my, the house that I'm currently living in, in 1910. And wow. then I grew up in this house from 1952 till I got married in 1979. And then when I, in 1979, I moved away, moved up to Gladstone, Missouri. I lived up there for 23 years. Uh, I got divorced, and I moved back down here after a tornado hit our house in, in 2003. And 2003, I came back down here with my family. Uh, my ex-wife moved back up to Gladstone. Uh, I built her, her house uh, when it was all the everything was uh, all the uh, things were picked up and shoveled away and built her a brand new house. And then I lived down here and I never left. And man, it's a, such a beautiful building, you know, all brick. You know that whole. You know, that, that three little pig shit, the, the, you can't blow that shit down. You know what I mean? It's got the, the whole, uh, brick thing going on. But, um, so you, you growing up, growing up in this neighborhood, um, how, 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 what was, uh, Kansas City like at the time? And, and, you know, how is it, has, has it changed over the years? And, and obviously you, you still like, Living in the area, right? So yes, Kansas City. Uh, it's kind of funny because Kansas City was pretty much every neighborhood was its own little city. And when I was growing up here in Columbus Park, which was at the time called the North End, um, we pretty much stayed here. We didn't leave. My mother never drove, so we didn't really cross Independence Avenue very much, unless we went downtown, which is only a mile away. Uh, if we went downtown with the show or, you know, might go to lunch or something like that, which was very rare because in those days we ate at home every day. There were no fast food restaurants. There were no McDonald's and places like that. Which is a beautiful thing. Man. Yeah. So we, we ate at home, um, and we had a lot, uh, probably in my neighborhood here, which, which basically starts at, at Tracy on the east and ends on Cherry on the west, um, Pretty much 8th Street on the south and the river on the north. So that's how big the, the area was. Not very big. And we didn't have any, re- we had, we had Italian restaurants in the neighborhood, but which we didn't even frequent. What, what would you guys eat at home? What were you guys eating at home? Well, pretty much, it's kind of funny because we didn't eat Italian at home. <laughs> okay. I thought okay. You were we, we, we ate steak and potatoes. And, nice. You know, now we had, we had usually had, you know, spaghetti, which we call, we call it Pasta, even though the correct pronunciation is pasta. But Italian people in those days couldn't pronounce their P's. So they called it basta, which in Italian it means basta. Actually done. Mean, actually means enough, right? Yeah, done. Well, we call it, it's, it's actually pasta. means that in Spanish, oddly enough, too. Ba- yeah, basta, basta. Yes, yes. Done. Exactly. So, you know, it's kind of funny because people still to this day call it basta, even though it's pasta, right? Well, in those days, we called it macaroni. We didn't call it. Pasta, pasta, we called it macaroni. And we usually had at least once a week. Hold that mic a little bit closer. Okay. No, at least no once, big... at least once a week, That's awesome. we had, you know, uh, macaroni, meatballs, sausage, whatever. And, uh, but we didn't have a lot of Italian foods. Yeah, it was mostly thinking. American foods, you know. Yeah. So that, um, uh, it was, uh, was it a big, what was that? Was that a, a deal to assimilate more? Yes. Everything was a, about assimilation. Um, when my parents, uh, were the first generation Americans, 
My, all four of my grandparents came from Sicily. Um, Costa, Costa Vagina, Vagina, Sicily was my grandparents on my mother's side. Porgiale was the grandparents on my father's side. Um, they came here and they knew assimilation was the key to success. They knew that they had to learn English. Obviously that was part of uh, becoming citizens, but they also knew that the only way they were going to be able to get ahead was to learn English and become fluent in English and pretty much put their past behind them and start their families from scratch. And that was emphasized. That was totally emphasized. That's why to this day I can't speak Italian. I, I could pick up words here and there only because my mother would speak Italian to her friends. Uh, if she didn't want me to hear anything. Um, but her, her mother was very, was not very, was obviously not educated and she could barely speak English, but so she had to speak Italian. Uh, my father, um, his father had a, a store, a grocery store, which ha- happens to be in this house at the time. And, uh, he was able to translate for a lot of people translating. He learned how to read and write real uh, quickly. And he was able to translate a lot of things for the people in the neighborhood. And he was able to build a business, uh, in this house. And, um, that's how they survived during the depression and till my dad, um, uh, pretty much till my dad got married. And so do you attribute that as a, a main, um, cause you, you're a very successful family and we'll get into some of that as we go on being, you know, one of the only Italian American, uh, males from Kansas city that went on to be an NFL player. And there's a lot of other things that went on to that, but do you attribute some of that, um, assimilation to that success? I, I really don't, uh, attribute that. What I, what I attribute it to is the fact that my father, um, in those days, you know, obviously my father was the head of the household and there was, it was one, it was a one party system. <laughs> Whatever my father said was the way it went. Um, and in, Things are different today, which is okay. Well, there's some benefits to definitely having yes. a. Yes, sir. A, my a, mother, a, my did. mother was not what you would call. I'll get into my mother when we go going further with this conversation. But my mother was not one of those women that was what you would consider um, do anything and just sit there and not do any, not say a word. My mother was a very, my mother was a uh, community activist of the utmost kind. She pretty much did everything in this area. She created a lot of things in this area that we have till the, to, to this day. But basically, my father was all about education, and he stressed that education. My father was a pharmacist. Um, in those days, you just became apprentice, and you became a pharmacist by apprenticeship, and that's what he did. And he passed his, um, his licensing in the early 60s, uh, and was a full-fledged pharmacist. And my, bro- my oldest brother... Um, was going to do that, and then he decided while he was going um, through his education, he, that that wasn't for him. So my brother became a, a scientist pretty much and was wow. one of the top ones in the country and and uh, went on to become a dean of a major medical school. So, so John, you're, you're coming up in this family. You're, you're living in this neighborhood. When did you first recognize, you know, because I, I firmly believe this, that, like, that you had um, – athletic ability that separated yourself from others or did you notice that no i didn't i never noticed it actually oh, I, never, really? I always thought i was a second rate athlete really? growing up you yes. never felt like you had something a little not till i got to college that's when you really right, came. yes so coming up it described that like coming up in this neighborhood uh you yourself as a kid what was it like being a kid in this neighborhood uh athletically uh, academically okay. what, what was that like well basically um as far as that athletically 
everybody in this neighborhood played something. Okay, we played street ball. Literally, we played football out on the street. <laughs> we didn't have parks. We didn't have pit parents, you know, chaperoning us. So we wanted to play a great football. <laughs> we got four or five guys on one side, four or five guys, and we got in the middle of the street, and we started playing football, okay? Now, it wasn't really tackle on the street, but it was football. You know, you touch and stuff like that. We played tackle. When we did play tackle, we did find a park to play in. Um, we played tackle, and there were no pads, Okay, so you got pretty tough doing that kind of stuff. Then we also had Don Bosco Community Center, which was a, I mean, that was a, that was a, a foundation of this neighborhood that was built by Italian American men, brick by brick. Um, it was bolstered by the, uh, economically by certain people such as uh, the Dunn family, um, the Dasta family. Um, they put a lot of help in financing the Don Bosco Center, but it was basically the mortar and the brick and everything else was built by the men of this community. And that was a foul. That Do was you know really, why they did that? Just to have something for the boys and girls to go to. Uh-huh. Uh, it was mostly boys. And we had, we had uh, abundance of sports there. We had basketball, football, baseball, all out of Don Bosco Community Center. We had teams from five years old all the way to Ben Johnson playing uh, baseball. We had basketball teams playing all the way through high school. And same thing with uh, with uh, football. Do you think it was important to have that in the neighborhood? That if I didn't have that, I probably would have never been an athlete. Because well, I never left my neighborhood. A, and does being an athlete um, equate to a successful future in in life in general? I built. I I feel that I I own one of the, in my opinion, one of the top vending companies in in Kansas City. And I built that from scratch, and it was all because of my athleticism, and it was all because of my background in sports. So all of the lessons that you learn in sports applied directly everything to your business. Did. Everything, not only, not that. only that, but the contacts I made in sports helped me develop my business. Yeah. I mean, I met guys. Um, uh, we're the largest uh, school vending service in the in the state of Missouri, um, and a lot of those guys that helped me get going in, in the schools were guys that I played football with or new in college. And and what's what what's the that business called? What's it? It's based my 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 company's called Ally Refreshment Company, and we're a full line vending service as well as a refreshment service. We do everything in, that's associated with the vending industry, from office coffee systems to micro marts to vending to uh, product delivery to stores. So pretty much everything involved with refreshments. We do concession stands. We service those. We do pretty much everything that you could possibly do in, in uh, refreshment services. That's fucking awesome. And, and um, so were there um, were there mentors, were there men in your life that uh, during during that sports, like coaches? You know, yes. like I was a, a high school wrestler. Um, one of the most influential people in my life was my high school wrestling coach. You know, rest in peace to Danny Aker. I love him. Yeah. But so, you know, talk a little bit about uh, – the male role models that uh, contribute to that kind of, uh, you know, uh, what led you to do your entrepreneurship no or all that stuff and I how know exactly that applies. What you're asking. Yes, sir. My my uh, father obviously was my most important male role model, but my father worked 365 days a year. I he didn't take a day off. And so that's important. A lot of people yeah, think that you got to have a work life balance. Did your father have the work life balance or was he just <laughs> he, a worker? He just worked. I mean, he wasn't, I don't consider my father a go getter, but he was a, he worked 365 holidays, weekends. There were no days off. 
And fortunately, my dad, uh, the last years of his life, probably the last 15 years of his life, he was able to take off a little bit of time and go travel with my mom, which was good. Because after I was in college, he was able, because I was a lot younger than my brothers. And uh, my dad was 42 years old when I was born. Did he make it back to Sicily? My dad made it back to Sicily. Yes, he did. Probably, uh, I want to say it was in the latter 70s. Him and my mom wow. made it back. Wow, how incredible is yes. that? Yes, he did. And he got to travel all over Europe only because he was a gambler. <laughs> he liked to gamble, and they, and they put him on these junkets in those days, and they went all over Europe, and they got to go. So that was that was a great thing for him. And I'm hoping to do that, too, within the next year or so. You you have not made it back to no, Sicily? No, I have not. Wow, that surprised me. And I know me. where my family's from. That was the yeah. big part. Yeah, oh, man. I, 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 I have a feeling you're going to make it back to but Sicily. But that my dad was my obviously my biggest role model. Yeah. My brothers, which were you know 10 years and 7 years older than me, they were also my role models. But, a man, if you're talking about people that, uh, from an extended family point, uh, a man by the name of Joel Roybal, Mexican-American. Wow, I love he that. He lived, uh, he worked at the Don Bosco, and then he wound up moving across the street from me. Um, he was a real huge role model. He coached all of my sports when I was a little kid. Um, he, wor- he worked there as an assistant director. But he was my head baseball coach, my basketball coach, my football coach. <laughs> he said back then he His did the whole and I thing. We're same age, so we ran around together. His daughter, uh, her name is Rebecca Woody. She is one of the top um, figure uh, con- competitors in the United States. She's a professional. She's a professional figure competitor. I see her. I talk to her all the time. She's on Facebook. She's see, figure. Huge. What's that? What's that? She's a bodybuilder. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. She's huge. She's almost seventy years old. She looks like she's forty. Wow. Okay. And she's and her and I grew up together. I was in her first wedding. They lived across the street from me. But and he did and a by lot the way, for me. John Strata is buff as shit right now, dude. <laughs> John Strata. I lift weights all the time. John Strata's bicep makes mine look like a piece of shit, dude. <laughs> So, but go ahead and continue. Yeah, okay. Like how, and how old are you? I'm, I'll be 66 in another. See, 66 days. years old, and his bicep would fucking <laughs> crush my my head in in between his form. But that that's for another story. But yeah, uh, John Strata still looks like a pro athlete for sure, man. And kudos to you for that. But go ahead. Uh, um, so, so he coached mentioned. me all those years. Yeah. I went to uh, I went to a. Um, you would call it today a football factory as a high school. Actually, I'll go, go, go back a little bit further than that. I went to grade school. I started grade school at four years old. My mom thought I was too advanced to be waiting around to go to Catholic school. They, they started at the time. Uh, I had to be, uh, my birthday had to turn five by September. Because in those days, even probably when you were a young kid, everybody, all school started after Labor Day. Yeah. Okay. Now it starts in August. Well, in, in those days, started in, so September was a cutoff date. My birthday was November. So I started school. I had to go take a test. I started school. I went to public school. In this neighborhood, Columbus Park, there were three schools. We had Carnes School, Garrison School, and Holy Rosary. Three schools in this little neighborhood. Okay, that's how many kids were down there. There were 15,000 people that lived down here in those days. A lot of people. So we had three, three grade schools. So we basically, uh, I went to grade school and public school. And then, of course, I went to Don Bosco every day. And so all the Catholic uh, school boys were my friends. I didn't associate with the kids I went to school with. So I associated with my neighborhood buddies who went to Catholic school. So I would go to Don Bosco every day. We'd play sports, play basketball, pick up, whatever it was done, play pool, whatever it was. And I played Little League all the way through and never really got much coaching. Okay? It wasn't like you were teaching a kid how to hit a ball properly, <laughs> teaching a kid how to fundamentally play football. And these guys, the fundamentals were out there. You're just going to go out there and go to practice. Have infield, outfield, you know, 
will do a lot of calisthenics in football, shoot some layups in basketball. Did your dad care a lot about what you were doing out there? No, my dad was working. <laughs> okay, so he did. He, he did. My dad never sports, went. Sports are so huge now, and the parents are so involved. I was just curious. My dad wasn't involved at all. Okay. I mean, at all. He's like, go ahead. No, go my dad knew that going. he was going to Don Bosco, and those guys took care of me. That's pretty much what it was. <laughs> nice. Uh, my brother, my middle brother, was actually a way better athlete than I was. Went to the same high school I Your did. Your brother was a better athlete. Oh, oh, yeah, way better at the time. Okay. Um, growing up as a better athlete, he was a natural guy, one of those kind of guys could run, jump. And that's a, that's a great point because there's uh, natural athleticism, uh, natural ability even in academics doesn't necessarily mean uh, that someone's going to be more – because I've, I've had a lot of friends that I felt were smarter than me but uh, tapped out at a certain point right. in, in the academic realm and didn't you know keep pursuing it. So there's something to say about that, that grit, that, that grind, that following through more so if you, if you care to do that, you know, and some people don't. But uh, that follow-through is, is a big deal, right? Well, my brother's – Okay, that's kind of you brought that up. Okay, you're talking about natural, uh, yeah, brain power. There's a, there's a ton of people with talent on the sidelines, right? Natural athletes, whatever. I think I got a combination of both. My oldest brother's uh, pretty I'll much be, close. Yeah, you had you know, to. borderline. You no, know, he went. He graduated. Got his PhD from Vanderbilt. Okay, wow. so I mean, my my middle brother, you know, he struggled going through school, but he was a he won the Golden Gloves champion without ever training. Wow. I mean, so and then and see then these people, are all, these so I got are, kind of a combination of half ass intelligence. And, and athleticism. Let, let's just take a, a minute right here. Okay. So you have a Kansas City Chiefs tight end. You have a Golden Gloves champion. And you have a Vanderbilt graduate. Yes. Just to give some perspective yeah. on folks that are listening yes. to what you just said. Graduate. Oh, living All in, in the same family. Living in a neighborhood that here was in Columbus dominated Park, Kansas City. by, you know, organized crime and everything else. And a, a, a minority... Uh, group, uh, at the time in, in a small, like you yes. said, wow, that's yes. amazing. Yes. Kudos. Okay. Continue. I just wanted to yeah, just how, absorb some of that because I'm, I'm like, I'm very fortunate. I, Vanderbilt yeah. graduate, NFL athlete, and, uh, what was Golden Gloves. And and Golden Gloves. And, and Golden Gloves was huge. I mean, no. Yeah. My people God don't understand that. Oh my God. I go to, you know, you Golden know how Gloves tough you got to be Golden at that Gloves, time. They would have a hundred fights in a yes. day. Boxing, boxing at that time, it was in the golden. Boxing was the sport. Oh my god, it was huge! It was the sport. I would go to the municipal auditorium when I was a boy. My brother was fighting. It's unfortunate. They'd have three. They'd have three rings at municipal auditorium. There'd be ten thousand people there. Oh my god! So you just listen. (laughs) Municipal auditorium. Yeah. And what year was this? This would have been like nineteen sixty. In nine, you imagine ten thousand people in nineteen sixties for a sporting event. Boxing was the sport at yes, the time. It was. To be a Golden Glove champion at the time means a little bit more than it means now. And oh, I'm yeah. not taking anything away from the current exactly. Golden Glove champions because those guys are fantastic. But boxing was at a different level at that point. Yes, I mean, it, it was, was the sport. Like to yes. be a world champion, a world heavyweight Absolutely. champion was, at that point, it was you the were, biggest you thing were, in the world. Yes, you were the man. I was very fortunate. I, I was very fortunate. Uh, I never was a Muhammad Ali uh, uh, fan. Uh, but until I actually witnessed him in person, uh, we were in a, um, we had a practice one day with the Chiefs. After practice, he, sh- well, during practice, he shows up. And I don't know what he was doing in Kansas City, but he shows up and he had just won. I'm trying to figure out who he had just beat. It was a 74. So he had just beaten somebody. I want to say he had just beaten, uh, Joe Frazier the second time, maybe. 
Um, wow. And he was he was here, and he came into the clubhouse, and all these guys um, were m- just mystified by him. And I'm talking about guys that were that were Hall of Fame players: Buck Buchanan, Len Dawson, Bobby Bell, Willie oh, yeah. Lanier. All these guys that I played with, they were just when he came in, they just shut up and let him talk. Because he was that big. You were and the, he was like, the champ. here he's talking, and he wasn't nothing like he was on television. He was nothing. He's he was humble. As, he was as professional <laughs> and as professional as you could possibly get. And it was like, oh, my God, this is Muhammad Ali? Because, you know, normally he's like, ah, not like this. He was in a different kind of uh, surrounding. He so he, dressed, I mean, he was just dressed perfectly. It was just unbelievable. That, I think that's a testament to the intelligence, like uh, knowing his audience, like this, like that flamboyant nature is yes. going to play well with these 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 men here. Well, he in this, knew he was, in, you know, he wasn't in the presence of a bunch of idiots. No, either. you know, he's in the presence of the best players in the world. Okay, I mean, yeah. guys that have won the Super Bowl. Yeah. So he was. You that's know, a great point. But he, but he didn't really look at it like that. He knew who he was. And it was a funny story. I played with a guy, I, people will know if they know history of football in the last 25, 30 years. But John Matusek was a huge player. Um, John Matusek was the first, first overall draft choice in 1972 out of Tampa. He originally uh, was from the University of Missouri, gotten kicked out of there for getting in a fight. Uh, but he was number one overall draft, for, uh, draft choice in 1972 or 73. can't remember exactly. Yeah, it would be 72. 73, it could have been 73. But John Matusek wanted to become a movie star because John Matusek played in North Dallas 40. He was one of the main characters in that. A huge movie in the 70s. He played with, he got traded for Curly Culp, who's now in the Hall of Fame. He, uh, played for the Oakland Raiders, uh, when they went to the Super Bowl. And he just became a, a well, kind of a legend. Su- who, who won that was Super Bowl? Like, who was the quarterback of that league. Super Bowl? I'm sorry? Who was the Super Bowl, uh, quarterback at that time? Len Dawson was ours. No, for the Raiders? Oh, it was he, Ken Stabler. Okay. And Daryl LaMonica, but I think it was Ken Stabler when they won the Super Bowl. God, look at this. But, but, uh, uh, like John, a, John wanted to be a like boxer. Like a bear trap, yeah. his mind just. John was a tough guy. Okay. Yeah. He really, he was, he really was a tough guy. He wanted to, he wanted to fight. He wanted to be a, become a boxer. So he was dancing around. Muhammad Ali was on the cherry picker <laughs> with Hank Stram up on top. Yeah. And John Motusek was dancing around. And you looked up at Muhammad, I looked up at Muhammad Ali. And you could see his face. And he had this face look like, you idiot. I'll, Punish you. Like you could just see, he wasn't. It'd be like Muhammad Ali trying to play football with you guys. Exactly. And he looked at him like, like you idiot. Okay. Yeah. And, and it was like, but that, it just struck me because I actually looked at his face when John Matusek was dancing around on the down and below. They, and that's where you knew like, okay, this is a different animal. This is a different guy. I mean, this guy here is what he is. Okay? Yeah. And it was it was it was amazing to watch that. But I knew John Matusek was a tough guy. I mean, yeah. he was as bad. But no fear in Muhammad Ali's no, eyes. No, my God, no, not I, even close. I love that man, wow. Because but it'd, it'd be the same thing if he tried to line up if Muhammad Ali tried to line exactly, up against man, one of you guys. Up, my brother was a fighter. Yeah. I knew exactly what they would. Tell. You know, those guys they're, they're they're different breed. Yeah. Okay, so it's like you know they, part they're, of part they're of, not afraid of nothing. Part of being a great fighter and. Um, I say this because I, I, I uh, my my dad was a, a boxing coach and, and a couple of my brothers are boxers. I never boxed myself, but I'm a fan of it and I understand it and I understand the price that these guys pay. Right, is that uh, the uh, the um, to become great, and I think it might be similar in football. And we're talking a little bit about that. Is the um, abandonment 
of uh, if you want to be a truly great, it's almost like a abandonment of your self protection. Like like a, a super uh, a guy who's really into themselves, super into, would not go into those deep waters with somebody who's got that well, abandonment. When you, when you're you must ego. have to have an abandonment of, it's an, of it's your, your ego. Okay, yeah. so when guys start well, testing ego. guys, well, when guys go. start testing guys, okay, I'll give you a good example. Uh, take Michael Jordan. Okay, Michael Jordan, the greatest athlete at the time. They say he was the greatest athlete. Um, he tried to play baseball. He looked, he looked like a fool. Okay, Sorry. I mean, here's a guy that's, <laughs> that's the greatest true. basketball player ever yeah. to play. And I understand. They can say what they want about LeBron James, all this other stuff. But yeah. you take Michael Jordan, who they will all anybody with any kind of a basketball brain will say he's the greatest athlete. Greatest basketball player ever. Now, which is almost like, to play saying, like you're one of the greatest athletes in general. He's right? a great athlete, right? Yeah. He looked like a fool out there playing. Now, the For only sure. guy that could actually say that he could take on multiple sports that was a great athlete. I mean, taking him on at the well, best was, level was, was Bo a, Jackson. Probably. Well, there's Bo Jackson. There was uh, well, there, Jim Thorpe. Well, yeah, but you're going back way. In yeah, time. <laughs> that, I mean, you're going back, back way in time there. But, but Jim, that's still pretty. Jim Thorpe. Jim was Thorpe pretty was amazing. a great. I mean, he won, a, he won a gold medal. He yeah, football. Was that guy was good? And uh, um, um, also Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders was was pretty close, but he wasn't that good of a baseball player. Well, but but Bo Jackson wasn't a Bo great Jackson baseball was, player. Oh, he was great. You think and so? He was great. He was a great. Well, my God, he he was a rookie all of the year. Yeah. He was oh, an all star. Was he rookie? All, yes. Okay, well, never mind. Two time all star. Okay. He threw, got threw guys off on the wall with no hop. I mean, <laughs> no, I know he did some amazing. He does shit. amazing things. And he, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, by any Bo way Jackson could jump Bo out Jackson. of a pool, jump out of a lake, go four feet. Down. No, he's I amazing. I mean, the stuff athlete. that he did was just kind of unhuman. Yeah, but no, the, yeah. but I don't. You know, he's way past my era. But the but what I'm trying to say is he's probably the only guy that you could actually say. Played multiple sports with that high of a level. But Deion Sanders as well, right? Deion Sanders. Well, but, but well, he wasn't a great baseball player. Though, no, right? he wasn't. No, yeah, that's he right. A, he was a punch you're and right. Judy hitter. Yeah, I think you're right. Speed-wise, he was with everybody. But yeah, no, there there hasn't been that dual guy No, there's not going to be. There's not going to be. It takes too much How time. How are you going to do that? You can't. You, don't, you can't you spend do that? That's like I was talking about a while ago to you about my son. My son was a, was a three-sport athlete in high school, a decorated three-sport athlete. And basically, he was going to go to college and play two sports. He's going to go to the University of Central Missouri and play two sports, but then he got a, he wound up going to Wichita State to play baseball. But after he goes to Central Missouri, he had no intention of playing football. And who's your son's name? By I say, my son's name is Joe. He's named after my dad. And um, all of all the, I got my son, two nephews, all named Joe after my dad. I've got a nephew named John after me, and then I've got a, a grandson named John after me. So he's and I got a son named John. So I got John the Junior and John the Third. So Italian people, we name it, we name people after our family members to carry on our family. No, I'm after, I love I'm it. I'm named after my uncle, um, and then my dad, my 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 brother's named after my my grandfather. And what I think what's so cool about that is like very common names, John, Joe. But you know what, man? You'll like, see them very you, much you, anymore. You guys, but you guys. Uh, you carry the name well. Yeah, we carry. Do we try to thing. do it. Like John, John Strata, you know, very different than Joe Strata. You yeah, know? exactly. You guys all do your own thing. Exactly. We try. I try to instill that whatever I did in him, and I think it's worked out. And same thing with my my youngest son, John. But the Kudos thing about the thing about it is, is today in today's standards, it's gone. It's filtered itself all the way down into grade school where they don't want you to play multiple sports. And I was, I was a, I felt that 
Every yeah, sport there's a complements focus on another the, sport. Uh, um, there's a f- and, and just I'm sorry, and I don't mean to interrupt you. That's but, okay. But there's a, a focus on you should be a one sport. That's crazy. Focus. That's crazy. Go ahead. Yeah. Because every sport complements the other one. I learned as much playing basketball as I did in football, and I learned a lot more playing baseball as far as the competitive competitiveness of football. I just think that everything helps. Anybody that that plays at the professional level will tell you. This helped me. This helped me. A lot of these kids, they just get under this under this illusion that they have to play this game. What they wind up doing is getting burned out. Oh yeah, you you would yeah, and uh, I have uh, daughters and uh, I love them playing multiple shit. So like uh, my daughter, she started playing soccer, right? And I hate I, I me myself, I never. I never enjoyed soccer, but starting to watch them play. I love soccer I now. I got the same thing. Like I a got, huge soccer fan now. I got three now. granddaughters playing soccer right yeah. now. And I, I love watching games. And yeah. I, I, I'm starting <laughs> to enjoy the sport. I used to make fun of it. Yes. You know, and it's, well, you know what? There's still a lot to make fun of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. How about there the is. Flops? Absolutely, there is. Did you do you see that? Like oh, absolutely. The, 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 uh, the sport is not. You, you, you're but comparing apples and oranges. It's not nothing like football. No, but, like, but what's the most terrible part about soccer? I'm just gonna get this off my chest. Is when uh, you were talking about boxing earlier, you see a guy take a straight jab, straight jab to the face. Very, this guy has probably punched people ten thousand times. He's punching you straight jab to the face, and it hurts. And, and you, yeah, it it hurts like a motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> you're taking that that jab, and then you're continuing the fight. In soccer, somebody <laughs> yeah, somebody could whiff a ball by your face. Not you go even down like a like, that's a, not a, and like you're, a tune out of water. Oh. What is that? that is, no, I, like you I, got I, shot by a thirty out six rifle. I, 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 well, I, if you study the game, they're doing that intentionally in order to get a penalty. Yes. So it's all. It's, I think it's, that's it's a flaw like in the sport. It's, it's, like a, it's, a, it's a flaw in the sport, or, yeah. or is it? Or is it part of the sport? It's part of the sport. Yeah. They're just doing. They're doing it to get. You know, it's no different yeah. than being offsides. Okay, uh, guy yeah. running downfield, all of a sudden he stops, and the guy goes ahead of him, and he's offsides. It's a, it's no, a it's, bit it's more smart. terrible in, yeah, in, in soccer. It's just, it's just part of the game. I, I, I don't love the game. I enjoy watching my granddaughter. No, play. but I love the, 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 the passing, the creativity. Yes. The athleticism. Yes. But the, the, the one no thing scoring. I could do without is the heading. I don't like the heading, uh, the, uh, bounce the shit off the head. And then I don't like that, the, the, like, you got shit shot with a 30 out six <laughs> rifle when a <laughs> guy just whizzed by right you. Now. I agree with that. I oh, it embarrasses. I feel embarrassed for funny. them. It's actually funny. Why would I, I, here's a pro athlete and I feel embarrassed for you as I'm watching Let you. Let me tell you something. I got hit one time. I was playing against the Houston, Ash, Houston, uh, Houston Oilers. And now they're called, what are they called now? Houston Texans. But they were called the Houston Oilers in those days. Yes, yeah. And I was playing against them. I was playing for the Giants at the time. And I walked, I ran, I ran across the middle of the field, which they don't do anymore. Okay. You, if you, if you notice, <laughs> receivers don't cross the middle of the field anymore. Everything's on the outside or flares or, yes. you know, dragging patterns. But going down 10, 15 and down the middle, that doesn't happen anymore. Oh, cause you get creamed. Well, you did. Three or four years ago. Yeah. Oh, now, yeah, yeah. With the new rules, it Maybe might change. Try it now. More. But basically, I, I went across the middle of the field, and I was looking for the pass, and a middle linebacker caught me, hit me under the chin, lifted me so high out of the ground that my shoes, my shoes were still sitting there. My and, shoes were and, still sitting there. And John's phone is ringing. That's my son. How, how dare you? No, <laughs> but uh, my shoes were still sitting there, and I was about ten yards back. What? Knocked me out of my shoes. Hey, I think that's a great. Uh, point to take a, a quick break. We we're, we're halfway through this. Okay, we're gonna come back. We're gonna um, we're gonna refresh break? with the uh, Crown Royal Rye, 
And then we're going to come right back, man. Thank Sounds you. great. Yeah. Okay. Is it going good? And so we are back. Uh, we just cracked open the Crown Royal Northern Harvest Rye, which I had at a tasting one time, and I thought it was a it was one of the best Crown Royals that I've ever had. And I really wanted to share that bottle with with John Strata, and that that's his bottle now, and he he could share that with whoever he wants. But I, I just thought it was a great bottle. And uh, what would you think about that? John? I thought it was uh, compared to that other one. <laughs> If I drank, if I drank a half a drink of the other one, I'd be, you have to carry me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so John, I wanted to talk a little bit about when you started recognizing that, you know, and, and this is just a fact, you know, there's in the, in the neighborhood, there's, there's the guys that, you know, have a little something and there's the don't, but you, you probably, you, you said that you didn't recognize that that you were a little bit different until you were in college. And what was that like? And what, what did that entail? Well, it's funny because, <clears throat> like I was saying before, I went to a football factory, De La Salle High School, which was a, um, a Christian Brothers school back in the you – know, it closed in 1971. And, um, and we were, we were kind of like the antithesis of Rockers High School. That was our major rival. Both of us were all boys' schools, uh, us being Christian Brothers and them, them being Jesuits. But I grew. Those damn Jesuits. Yes, I grew. I wind up growing. Uh, between my junior and senior year, I grew three inches, growing about 20 pounds. So my senior year, I had a really good season. I, I never even started before my senior year. Um, I never even played. I was on the team, but I never got in the game. So were you ever a tough guy just in your neighborhood? John's a beast. I never considered myself that. No? I just considered myself just a, one, a kid down the street, never took no shit from anybody, but pretty much I never... you weren't that guy that everyone was like, beware of that guy? No, I never was like that Gosh, at all. See, I always pictured it like that's no, what you I, were. No, I wasn't the... like that at all. I didn't get like that till I got to college. <laughs> okay, it's funny because like I said, I was... I. um I grew three inches uh, between my junior and senior year, so I got to about six foot, 175 pounds my senior year. Wind up winning, being the first state champion in football in Kansas City um, my senior year. And then after that, I said, I was done. I don't want to play football no more. I didn't like the game. Um, it was. What, what did you not like about it? I just didn't like it because uh, when I was in high school, we never got water breaks during practice, during summer practice. We practiced for two weeks. That was like a thing back then. The, we the never had water like, breaks. Yeah, it was so like, water makes you we weak. We practiced in the middle of the parade park. was on 15th and, uh, and Paseo. No shade. Yeah. And we never left this campus, what, the campus, I should My say. My coach was school. like, didn't let us have water either. He thought it was making us weak or well, something. Well, exactly. Like, and hydrating we, and us. We had to stay. We never got to go home between practices. We had to stay in the gym, and it wasn't air-conditioned. <laughs> And I was one of the relatively few guys. Like I was a rich kid. I had a, I had a little fan. I put down, I plugged in the, and, and blew on me, you know, was trying to lay down between practices. But after the season was over with, a coach told me, and this is funny, this is a really funny story. We, we're, we just won those state championship. We're getting on the Greyhound bus to come back to Kansas City. And the coach told, tells me, John, what a great game. You're going to go to college and play football. And I looked at him and said, no, I'm not. I'm done with the sport. I hate it. So I lit up a cigarette, got on the bus, smoked the cigarette back. Everybody's smoking on the bus. Got Lind, back to Kansas City, didn't think nothing about it, drank for the first time that night, and I just said, I'm done with football. I enrolled at UMKC, and I started getting all these places calling me, these different coaches calling me, wanting to, me to come to their school and look at their school, and I kept saying, I'm not interested, I don't want to play football. And so finally, I got tired of it. 
these people bugging me. So I said, okay, I'll go to the University of Illinois and see their campus. Guy called me, kept calling me, calling me, calling me. I went down there with my, my parents, and we talked to the coach and this and that. I stayed there overnight. Came back the next day, and my dad said, what do you think? I said, no, I'm not really interested. And he says, well, I'll tell you what you do. You go to college and play football, and I'll give you $100 a week for spending money. Well, $100 a week in 1970 was a lot of money. How much about, like, perspective-wise? Probably six, seven hundred a week. Woo! Okay, I said, no, no, Dad, I'm not really interested. Damn. So a few more colleges called me. I didn't, I didn't answer their return their phone call. So now, by that time, I get my brothers getting in my ear. My brothers were telling me what an idiot I am. <laughs> and I looked up to my brothers. They were older than me. And I didn't want to disappoint my brothers. And then all some of the neighborhood that older men. That sibling thing was a big deal. Yes, all the older men were saying something to me. A couple of people. These were your lived, older brothers. No, older, older than my brothers were saying things to me. My older brothers were saying something to me. And then their older friends were saying something to me. What were they saying to They were saying, what's wrong with you? You know, why don't you want to go? What's wrong with you? And so by that time, they started. So they all recognized something in you. They recognized whatever it was. Did you see that at the time? Not really. I was too interested in my girlfriend and whatever it was in mm-hmm. high school. And, um, my, my, finally I just said, you know what? The next person that calls me, I'm going. I don't care where it is. And I honestly said that. I don't care where it is. Because I got so fed up with everybody busting my balls about going. So a good friend of mine who I kind of idolized when I was a little boy, he was a baseball player. He played in Van Johnson when I was six years old. I used to go to watch his games because that was our entertainment. My mom and dad and I would go watch Van Johnson play the neighborhood team which was called Western Honor at the time, <clears throat> played at CYC, which was over on 54th and uh, Sewell Parkway, which is called Satchel Pay Stadium now. And I go, we go watch them play, and so he, I kind of idolized him. And he, he came up to me and said, are you going to play football? And I said, no, I'm not, but I'm rethinking, my, I'm rethinking it. He says, well, a friend of mine is a coach at William Jewell College. Have you ever heard of William Jewell College? I said, no. Now, here I am living in you know Columbus Park, which is – on Fifth and Troost, William Joe College is in Liberty, Missouri, which in those days was in Mars. That's how far, as far <laughs> as I was concerned. Yeah. Okay. So I said, no, I don't. He said, well, if he comes down and talks to you, would you talk to him? I said, yes. He came down and talked to me at my house sitting in this room. Talked to my parents. This room? Yes. This room that we're this in room right now. We're in right now. Whoa. And he sold me. And the first thing I asked him I said, I didn't, it's a beautiful room, by yeah, the way. Guys. No, but it didn't look like this then. Well, I, I changed still, it all. It, it still kicks ass. <laughs> but anyway, I asked him, I said, can I start as a freshman? Well, in those days, the NCAA rules were you couldn't start as a freshman in football. But NAIA, which William Jewell was, you could start as a freshman. And in those days, NAIA was way bigger than NCAA because there was five times as many schools at NAIA. So when he said I could start as a freshman, I said, I'm coming. I didn't look at the school. I didn't go on campus. <laughs> Which I didn't is, care about the school. That's kind of the thing now. Like if All you I tell someone they can start, start a freshman. Yeah. Because I had sat on my ass on the bench from the time I was a freshman through my time I was a senior. Yeah. Sat, and I wasn't going to do done it with anymore. That. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sir. And some of, my, some of my friends were playing college football, from the not from this neighborhood, but from the adjacent neighborhood, which we called Northeast, which is really part of this neighborhood. But one of the, one of my one of my friends to this day was a De La Salle grad, three years older than me. He was the quarterback at Northwest Missouri State. I said, "Well, I'm going to start because I want to play against him." Okay, and he was so he, but he was a so I'm going to be a freshman. He's going to be a senior. Well, obviously, I started as a freshman. 
started both ways, matter of fact. And um, I weighed about, I was about six, by that, uh, I was talking about my uh, size before. Junior and senior year, I gave three, three inches and 20 pounds. Between my senior year in high school and freshman year in college, I grew three more inches and gained 20 more pounds. Wow. So I was about 195, 200 pounds by the time I got to William Jewell College. By the time I graduated, I was six foot three, 230 pounds. And I, I started as a freshman. I got my knee injured in my, um, my, uh, homecoming my freshman year at ACL surgery. Two days after I got injured, I actually went to the doctor by myself at 17 years old. I went to the doctor, talked to the doctor by myself, not my parents, by myself. He told me what I needed to do. I went back home, came here to this house, called my dad up. He went back out to the doctor with me, talked to the doctor. I got operated on that night. Wow. And so um, rehabilitation, we didn't know about ACL surgery in those days. We didn't have all the weightlifting equipment that we had, have now. So I rehabilitated myself. <laughs> I ran stairs, lifted weights. I started lifting weights real heavily. I went from 175 because I went back down to 175 pounds. Because in those days, you were a, a full-length body uh, uh, leg cast. It isn't like today. Okay, you <laughs> went from your hip to your ankle leg cast for eight weeks. Almost flunked out of school because I couldn't get to school because I had to be on crutches. And uh, I went up rehabilitating myself. Came back the next year at about 215 pounds. Obviously, I started. I was all conference and all district my sophomore year. Wow. I was all, con- and then the next year they t- put me as a defensive player so full you- time. I wind up, and then they wind up having a problem. They put me back at tight end, so I was playing both ways. So in college, I was playing defensive tackle at 215 pounds, tight end at 215 pounds, and I wind up making all conference, all district both ways. So we, we, you just super fucking mean at that point? I became just different person. I kind of, I don't know really what, what really happened other than the fact that I became so confident in my ability that I saw myself as being the superhuman. Even though William Jewell College was small in those days, we still played Northwest Missouri State every year. We played, you know, places like Jackson State, um, Norfolk State, Bowling Green, Lehigh, um, those schools were no different than William Jewell. I mean, there was only two, there were two levels in those days. There was the Missouri's and everybody else. Yeah. There was the Missouri's and then Kansas, and then there was everybody else. Everybody was throwing the same pick. There wasn't no Division One, Division One, AA, Division Two, II, Division Three. You just were a, a we were step a, we above. We were a college, or they were, we were a universe, a college or a university. So did you feel like, like you were, uh, I knew I could play with anybody. Yeah. I felt like so, I could play with anybody. And so when I went to, Hold it a little closer, right? When I, when I went to um, after my senior year, we wind up we went undefeated, got beaten the national championship series. Um, I knew I was good enough to play. I, I just felt in my heart I was good enough to play uh, the next level. I kn- I knew it, but on the other hand, somebody else knows it's a different story. I thought I was going to get drafted because a lot of the scouts were coming to talk to me. I didn't get drafted. And I got some calls. The day You're talking after, about drafted to the NFL. Yes. The next day after the draft, I got called by Canadian League. And they said, please don't sign with nobody. We want you to come up and play. Um, and I talked to the guy for a little bit. And then the next day, North, the New York Giants called me up and said they want to talk to me. And they kind of guaranteed me a sh- at least a shot. And I went with them. And So you start with the Giants? Yes. 
and I wind up making the team with the Giants, and uh, they, they wind up letting me go after three games of the regular season. Now, that's kind of weird. You think you make the team, you make the team, right? Well, that's not the way it works in the NFL. They could cut you at any time. It's not like that in baseball. They cut you that any time in football, okay? They cut me for, I don't know even, and I told the coach, I said, what did I do? He said, you need nothing. He said, we just need, we got this veteran guy that's been playing and, you know, he's coming back. What was the experience like um, in in New York? What was that like? Oh, totally different. I'm coming, like, you know, coming from a small neighborhood, going from a small college, going to New York. Night and day. I just wasn't used to it, you know. But I, you know, the funny part at the time, um, it's a funny thing now. Because that's a huge Oh, my God, what a big jump. And I'm playing with guys that played at, you know, Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Number one draft choice. Of the New York Giants was a guy by the name of John Hicks. He was a second picker. He was a second pick overall. He was a number, he was a second pick. Uh, I was a rookie with him. And, you know, he never, you know, he never acted any different than I did. We didn't look at each other as, well, I'm a number one pick or number two pick. Uh, you're, you're a free agent. Nobody looked at it like that. So I made the team and I was doing good. I thought I was doing good and then they let me go. So the next week the Chiefs picked me up. So I wind up playing the rest of the season with the Chiefs. Were you happy to get picked up by oh the Chiefs? Oh, my God, yes. Playing <laughs> home? Oh, my God, yes. Oh, my God. Now, if I look back on it now, uh, I thought I did really well for the Chiefs. Unfortunately for me, is they had a big transition. Hank Stram, who loved me, he... Uh, well, that happens quite a bit, too, right? So you get the transition in regime. Yeah, Hank Stram was, had been the Chiefs. He had been the originating coach of the Chiefs. Well, originally with the Dallas Texans. He gets fired. Well, I wind up, you know, going through summer, you know, training all the stuff in the, in the, in the off season. They let me go. And I, I asked the coach, I, I got to, I didn't even get let go by normal means. I got, a, I got a pink slip in the mail. I said, what the fuck is this? I go off to the stadium. I said, what is this? I, go, I don't know. You know, so I want to talk to the coach. He's not here. New coach. So. Anyway, make a long story short, he let me go. Never saw me play, never saw me, never knew what I could do. You know, it's not like it is now. They had all this background on you. There was nothing there. They had drafted a tight end. Yeah. And the tight end that they had drafted is still in prison to this day for double murder. He never stepped wow. foot on William Jewell College campus, which at the time, my college was the home of the Chiefs in the summer. I was just gung-ho, ready to go. It just devastated me. So I wind up going back to the Giants. I got hurt. Uh, the summer camp. What was the injury? My knees. I got wound up getting real bad tendonitis on my knee. So I didn't get to play. Then I went back to next year. Uh, Hank Strand wound up getting, uh, becoming the coach of the Saints. I went down there, had a great summer, got a great preseason. He let me go. And then I said, I'm tired, I'm tired of this shit. The money wasn't that good those days. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't like, I'm going to keep trying because the money's so good. Yeah. Well, like I was telling you a while ago, the money was not, was dog shit. It was nothing. I mean, I, my, my salary with the Saints was $19,000. It was my third year. Uh, these guys today, their minimum salary is $500,000. You know. That's right. So it's just, it's just a different, it's a different world. John, uh, as far as what do you think is, um, like, if you could impart any of what you've learned to this new generation as far as, like, uh, a characteristic, a trait, or something to adopt and to, to add to their toolbox, what, what would that characteristic be? Well, number one, <clears throat> what made me successful 
and be able to play at that level was the fact that I was an avid weightlifter. Nobody was lifting weights in those days. Even though teams had weights, nobody lifted them. Guys just didn't do it. They were big men. They weren't weightlifting guys like myself. Yeah, that was weird, right? Back in the day, they were like it was almost like taboo. And they just didn't lift so. weights, you yeah. know. Especially, you know, football players didn't lift. Baseball players, none of those guys lift. Well, not everybody does it. Yep. So, so you were ahead of the curve in that way. I don't know today way. if a guy has the talent uh, to make it, he has to have the desire. I mean, number one, he has to have genetic speed. Because everything today is based on speed. I don't care how good you are. If you're not fast, you might as well forget about it. I don't care if you're if you're a baseball player, football player, basketball player, whatever. If you're not fast, you got no chance. They're not even going to look at you. If you're as in baseball, for example, if you're a superb hitter, they may give you a look. But you better have other tools than just hitting. You better have the arm. And glove is naked. So, like, how rare is that, right? That's some rare shit. Right? That's, that is, but you better be able to run. Well, yeah. look at, look at, okay, just take, take the Royals, for example. Terrence Gore. Terrence Gore can't play baseball for a University of Central Missouri. <laughs> okay, he's not that, he's not a good baseball player, but he can run. Okay, he can run. He's playing, he played for the Cubs the other night. So, so basically, if you can run, they're going to give you a shot. The same thing goes for football. You better be able to run today. And if you're not, if you're even borderline, I don't care how good you catch the ball, how good of a blocker you are, you better be able to run. If you can't run, don't waste your time. Yeah. And I, and, and this, and the sad thing about it today is if you play at a lower level like I did, you're more likely you're not going to get a shot. They don't even look at it anymore. I don't know why. There's good football players. A good football player is a good football player. I don't care if you're playing for Northwest or you're playing for Alabama. That's a, a good football point. player is a good football player. Yeah. Okay? But they don't look like that because a lot of people that are looking at these things are not really athletes. Okay? Yeah, that's the, sucks, analytics, the analytics today yeah. that they're using in every sport, they don't break down a guy's heart. It just doesn't work. Wow. And heart, to me, the- as an athlete... Heart is the biggest thing. It could be a testament to why they fail so much at picking great quarterbacks. Like, right, every draft, number one draft pick doesn't pan out. Why is that? I mean, it's, uh, there's obviously a flaw in the – I mean, because every number one draft pick should be uh, a home run, right? Should be. Yeah. I mean, right, it's it not. How, okay, how often does that happen? How about baseball? Baseball baseball's Those the are the guys that know everything, right? They baseball's know everything. the worst. Okay, I said this about the Royals because I'm a big, a major Royals, Royals fan. Yes, well, I'm a season uh, ticket holder. First, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what is your relation to the diehard Kansas City Royals fan? Oh my God, I started my own page with uh, the Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Got my own guys going on. I love, I don't miss very many games. It's a huge. I got, I got I'm a season yeah. ticket holder. Yeah. I, I went to every playoff game. So you're um, a bigger Royals fan than you are. Oh, Chiefs way fan. bigger, way yeah. bigger. Because to me, baseball is the only true sport left. Why, why is that? Because if you can't hit, Chances are you're not going to be able to play. If you can't field, chances are you're not going to be able to play. If you can't run, chances are you're not going to be able to play. And how is you that can't different throw. from football? Uh, we're football, catching. if you can run, oh, eh, so we'll make sure run. you'll, you'll okay. play. If you can run, we'll make sure you play. Yeah. Okay? Well, but in you, baseball, yeah. you still have to do those things. Okay? Yeah. I don't care how fast you are. You better be able to hit. Now, after Terrence Gore's speed... Maybe get away with it. I, I, I shouldn't say that about Terrence Gore. I've really never seen him play that much. Maybe he can hit. 
Okay? Maybe he can't hit a lower level. He sure couldn't hit the other night when he came up in a crucial situation. And he came in the same situation with the, with the, with the Royals. Couldn't put the ball in play. Yeah. Now, if you could, if, in baseball, now, you better be able to produce those kind of tools or you're not going to be able to play. And some of the philosophy that you guys have on the diehard Kansas City Royals fans is more like an East Coast style. Uh, like it's more of a, uh, um, a tough love. Yeah, we, we're not, we're, we're diehard fans, but we, we criticize more than we congratulate. Yeah. You know, I'm, what, I'm, what's I was the philosophy the, behind that? What do you think that I is? just started it because I'm tired of people always kissing ass when somebody wins and they just and d- it, drop them when they're losing. That's that kind of that Midwest, well, nice. Yeah, we're always on a band while I'm tr- forever Royals until they start losing and I don't even know who they are. Yeah. You know, I've been a Royals fan since, since they came to Kansas City. I was at the 85 World Series yeah. when they, when, in game six. How amazing was the, oh my the, God. This this last one, yeah. Oh my God, it was how great. improbable and how amazing was that? The last one was even more amazing than '85 because to, I was with my children. Wow, and that was the biggest part. That picture right there on the wall—that's game. That's the one when we we clinched the uh, uh, game against. I want to say against Baltimore. I, I would say that was the greatest moment I've ever had in the city. <laughs> was that my son? My son when he before he got married, he just got married two years ago. He said. My, I, things I never thought I'd ever do. Yeah. Get married or see the Royals win a World yeah. Series. It was more improbable than the Chiefs winning a Super Bowl. The Chiefs, we were expecting the Chiefs to always win Super Bowl. Yeah, that's what. We were in the, yeah. the first two, uh, first four Super Bowls, we were in two of them. So now, you have expressed to me that there's a curse with the Chiefs. Yes. Do you still think it's that's It's the curse true? of Hank Scram. Okay. <laughs> now you got Patrick Mahomes. Is okay. he going to break the curse, or is there still a curse in effect? I don't think Patrick Holmes could break anything. Okay, <laughs> All right, Patrick Holmes is going to be a you know I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he's going to be a great quarterback. Will he win a Super Bowl? Uh, I I don't know. Not not with yeah. this team. Not with well, this team because of the defense. The defense is horrible. Okay, the defense is horrible. Yeah. Okay. I agree. I don't watch a lot, but I watched last other night game. The defense is horrible. They can't. They should have. Theoretically lost that game. Oh, for but, not I mean, theoretically. They, they, they did lose that game. They all, all they had to do but was the hold the team God. for a minute and a half, and that team literally overthrew a guy going into the end zone. A minute and a half, all they had to hold that team back. They couldn't so, do it. But so you have, I mean, Mahomes is a young guy, so does he? One is, guy can't he gonna, win a football game. Not, well, but but you know you have you know Tom Tom Brady. Tom Brady uh, has yeah. a lot around him. Okay, Tom yeah, Brady's the yeah. greatest quarterback ever, but Tom Brady has a line. Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, is he not in? Oh, that? Tom Brady's in his league of his own. So is Mahomes not in that league? Oh, not yet. Well, obviously, yeah. You know, and, and this, I'm not, I'm not, yeah. hey, I'm yeah, not, yeah. I'm not in the camp of jumping over the yeah. bridge like folks have he's with got Mahomes. Talent. He's got talent. He's got more natural talent than most guys you've ever he, seen. Yeah, and very comfortable in the position he's, as a he's rookie. He's very talented. There's no doubt yeah. about his talent. I'm not even going to question his talent. What I'm questioning is, is their overall scheme of their football team. Okay. okay. So, and, yeah, so the, the pieces around him. But if you get that right, so maybe not one, this year. Do you think guy. in a, in the in the future or no? Oh, my God, yes. If he if they get themselves um, – well, Eric Berry, Eric Berry has cost them by not being healthy. Okay, Eric Berry has. Well, how I love, I love Eric. Eric Berry is a great player. I mean, he's never been, he hasn't been healthy. Losing Larry Johnson, Larry Johnson is at old, but Larry Johnson, when they lost him last year or two years ago, they cost him, you know, going farther in the playoffs. 
Now they haven't replaced him with anybody. It's the same thing with the offensive side. <clears throat> I don't care how good Patrick Mahomes is. If he don't have the receivers to throw to, now he's got Kelsey and he's got, uh, he's got a ton of got, weapons. Um, Hill. Vando, what, what's, what's the, yes, Hill. Okay. Those guys are good. He needs more than those just two guys. Okay. You need four guys. And he's got good running backs, which is good too. But I mean, offense can't win games. Defense he's, wins he's, games. He's, uh, he's got Andy Reid, who's running the spread offense. That's what he ran in college. He's got a ton of weapons. He also has what I consider the Dak Prescott effect in that when Dak Prescott was having all his success in Dallas, nobody knew his, his style of play and defenses adjust. Everybody knows it's a copycat yeah. league. So I think he's, he's, he's benefiting from people don't know what you're going to run. You're running a spread offense. You got all these weapons and you have a, a, a coach who is uh, adjusting his style to whatever you're doing. There's going to be a bump from that. Now, when it, that levels out and you have a shitty defense, <laughs> Where's that lead? Anybody that knows Everybody anything. Everybody's jumping off the bridge and saying this is the Chiefs Super Bowl season. Anybody knows anything about football, anything about football, knows that defense wins games. Okay? Anybody. It's the same thing with baseball. Pitching and defense wins games. That's why the Royals won the World Series. Pitching and defense. It wasn't their starting pitching. It was their middle relief closing pitching. Okay, they weren't good hitters. They didn't have a guy on the team hit thirty home runs. They didn't have a guy on the team hitting over three hundred. That's why they won the world the World Series. The Chiefs got a great offense right now, but they have no defense. And when you don't have no defense, you're going to get beat. Eventually, you're going to get beat. Several years ago, we had a great offense. We we're beating what uh, Indianapolis thirty-five to nothing at halftime, and wanted them getting beat. What's that tell you? What's that? If your defense is that bad. Why are you not building your defense up? That's right. Why are you worrying about your offense? Yeah, you know, offense puts seats in the stands. It sure does. People want to see offense, but defense wins. Yeah, yeah, that's that's why everyone's so excited about um, Mahomes is because he's the promise of that offense, and and he's going to do great. You know, and what's weird is that. Uh, in his win against Denver, he had a lot of checkdowns. Everybody was so mad about uh, Alex Smith and his checkdown offense. I was like, that's what won the game this last game. It was uh, Patrick Mahomes' checkdown offense at the end of the game, but nobody mentioned that. So I don't whatever. know why everybody was upset with Alex Smith. Oh, they hated he him. won. He won him. games. Well, I don't know why they were upset. He was a playoff quarterback. <laughs> when you get into the playoffs, it's anyone's game at that point. Nobody knows. We have a quarterback right now who's not a playoff quarterback yet. Yeah, everyone seems to believe he's a Super Bowl quarterback. But think That's about why it. I was at the game with Pittsburgh. Our defense, all they had to do was hold one one down, just one down. They were down on the seven yard line. They needed to get that first down. They we couldn't hold them one down. Couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah, I mean, Alex well, Smith got him in the end zone. Got the two point conversion. Hey, it was his fault they held. Uh, well, but, it, but you know. yeah, it was it was an easy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you're preaching the choir on that yeah. one, man. And uh, you know, and. Uh, no, I, I love Alex Smith. And you know what? Uh, Alex Smith is doing okay with the Redskins right now. He, best, fucking uh, crazy scenario. Chiefs, Redskins, Super Bowl. <laughs> that would be you awesome. never know. That would never. Yeah, you know, no one knows. I actually went to the. the no one the, knows. I went that to sounds great. And it's crazy. I'm just throwing, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. It is possible. It's, it's within the realm of possibility. Bringing back my, my past. I went to the Super Bowl. Parade, my senior year in high school, down Grand, okay, while at the Liberty Memorial. I went to it. I was a season ticket holder when I was a kid in high school. 
And so when I went to play for the Chiefs, I'm in the locker room, and Willie Lanier comes up to me and he says, how you doing, I'm Willie Lanier. I know you, Willie. I used to see you up when I was a kid out my dad's store. When you were a kid, I said, yeah. He says, he looked, and he thought for a second, he goes, yeah, I guess you were a kid. That's crazy. And he's, I said, well, where was that at? I said, I was on 39th in Indiana. I said, you used to go across the street to the real estate place with those guys. You're right. I know who you are. I don't know you, but I know your dad. Yeah. I said, you used to come in there every day, get a pop and a soda, get a soda pop and a bag of potato chips. Okay? So it's funny because, you know, I was able to play with those guys that I watched from the time I was 10 years old or 9 years old till I was 21 and 22 and I was able to play with them, you know. And it's – I, I never – like I said, I never really looked at my – my career as anything because I John, didn't really have a long time, but it's super, it's super important. It's important to me. I think it's important to a lot of guys <clears throat> that are going to listen to this. Uh, one, I, I do have one final question for okay. you tonight and then we'll just get, is it like, what do you think is a, um, a good trait or a characteristic that you believe is a true indicator or something that somebody could carry with them to have a successful life what do you think that trait is man well most of the time it's it's loyalty okay um you may not have you know you may have a bad marriage you may have a bad this but loyalty i have a great marriage by the way well that's good shout out to mary garcia good great for you that's great no, I'm just okay kidding. that's wonderful though. I'm just fucking with i you. wish i did but i did <laughs> um no i'm just but, kidding but loyalty and and integrity i mean you have to treat people like you want to be treated. And you should have the, have the, um, not so much the ego, but have at least the decency to believe that nobody's better than you are. I don't care how much money a person has, um, or how much success they've had. If they can't treat you with respect and dignity, what good are they? They look down on you because they have more money than you, or they have more prestige than you do. What good are they? Okay, because at the end, we're all going to die. You yeah. know, so basically, you treat people and try to help people as much as you can. And, you know, as a little league coach, I think that was a very rewarding uh, part of my life was being able to coach kids because of my boys. I was able to coach other kids, show them the path. Uh, guys will come up to me to this day and tell me, thank you so much for what you did to me when I was a little kid. You know, guys that were, might have gone off the deep end, might have done something else, wind up being very successful young men, you know, now in their thirties because I helped them when I, when I, when they were in their early teens or latter, you know, 10 or 11 years old, 12 years old. So I'm really thankful for the fact that I was able to, you know, give what I knew to them, uh, to try to help them be successful. And a lot of them were. Now I had some kids that weren't, but most, the majority of them were. And I'm very happy. That's probably the most important thing in my life. What I've accomplished was to be able to send three kids to college. All three of them were successful. They never got in trouble. Never got in trouble with the law. They did their things, you know, had to get disciplined. But they never got in trouble with the law. They went to college. And they're really respected by their peers. Uh, I, got a, I got one. My daughter's a teacher. Uh, my son runs my company. He's got two other gyms that he, want, he owns. My other son helps him run the company, and he was a college coach for four years. So they're, you know, they're very successful people, uh, and they're still young, and they're still in their 30s. So I tell anybody today, young guy, hey, 
Just work hard, do the best you can, and treat people with respect. If they don't treat you with respect, that's too bad. As long as you treat them with respect, you have nothing nothing at all to feel bad about. John Strata, Kansas City original, and you're still a coach, sir. And you coached me today, man, and I really appreciate my time with you. Thank you, you Rip. I appreciate it. And we just turned into a pumpkin, and we are out. Because we're going to be.